If you're a California conservative, a libertarian, a moderate Democrat, believe in common sense, or just a sane person, this is the political podcast for you. It's the California Underground Podcast. What's going on? Good morning, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Coffee and California Politics. Uh, took a week off. I was traveling. Uh, went to the beautiful state of Hawaii for the first time ever in my life uh, last week. So got to enjoy some nice time off. Um, back now doing a double header today. And this is like the final stretch. We got a final stretch from now until Election Day. There's going to be a lot to talk about. There's going to be a lot of candidates to talk to. Um Tonight we have a really interesting guest, uh, Adam. He's been on before from Open the Books. Last time we talked to Adam, he was in the middle of a federal lawsuit to get California to open its books. And they were one of the last states to really open their checkbook, meaning that there is this registry of you can see what is what the state is spending its money on. And California was one of the last, not surprising. Why do you think California is one of the last? to actually open their books and allow for people to see what is going on, what are they spending money on. Um, He was able to get that information. He's got a lot of information, so it's going to really be interesting to talk about everything that they've uncovered in terms of what is Noodle spending money on, uh, a lot of stuff going out to vendors, which then turn around and then donate back to him. So there's a lot of stuff to really get into. Pulling a double header today. Um, So we got the Coffee and California Politics right now, and then later tonight at 8 p.m., We're going to have the live podcast on YouTube, so you can go join there as well. I'll be back on doing the double time because we need to catch up on a lot of stuff. And there's a lot of stuff to get to specifically today in coffee and California politics. A lot of corruption going on. We're talking about two different stories, corruption mostly and scandals that are happening within California that have been uncovered. And no surprise. I mean, why are we surprised at all that when you're a one party state, such as California, you can get away with a lot of stuff because who's going to really call you out on it? Um, we're going to talk about two of those stories. One of them is Supervisor Cole from uh, L.A. She's County Board of Supervisor. We're going to talk about Karen Bass as well, who's involved in a federal uh, investigation uh, as well. She's kind of being brought in. Uh, she hasn't been charged with anything yet, but uh, there is sort of this big federal probe as to whether there was a contribution in kind and they didn't really report it and stuff like that. Uh, the former USC dean actually just pled guilty recently, so we're going to unpack that as well. Uh, little tip that I guess came from uh, whether Noodles was going to run for president in 2024, uh, according to someone close to the Noodles camp, that there is going to be, if Biden doesn't run, he will run. He's absolutely going to run, which is no shocker to us because we've been talking about it for months now. We've been saying for months that if Biden doesn't run, it's most likely going to be Gavin Newsom is already prepping himself for running. And it seems more and more likely that I don't think Biden plans on running. He had a 60 minutes interview where he was talking about whether he would run or not. And then he said, that's my intention. That doesn't mean like that's really what's going to happen. So it's all very vague. It's weird for a president to be like very vague about whether he's running for a reelection. It's also we're in a very odd kind of time where we haven't had a president who seems so uh, in strong mental decline such as President Biden to the point where they have to keep asking him over and over and over again. Uh, are you going to run in 2024? Do you look forward to running in 2024? Uh, because I think a lot of people look at his age. They look at his mental stamina or what's left of it. And then they kind of say, do you think you're actually going to run in 2024? And he kind of has to say, well, yeah, man, that's my, 
uh, that's, my, that's my intention, Jack. Um, and then they kind of have to keep asking him it. So, uh, yeah, lot to, a lot of stuff to uncover today. Double header today in terms of shows and content and stuff like that. Uh, we got a couple big candidates. We're lining up uh, working on game. Brian Dolly on the program as well for a podcast um, talking with his team behind the scenes. So we're trying to kind of arrange that. We know he's very busy, but we're going to try and get him on for a hour long podcast. Um, oh, thank you. Uh, it's not hard to do a Biden impression. You just sound like the creepy old guy from family guy. And that's basically all you have to do. Um, all right. So what story should we start with first? Let's start with the Karen Bass story because I want to get into the cool story and, and it's really, um, that one I think has a lot more substance to it. And if you really read what's going on, you can kind of just shake your head and go, California is so corrupt and the democratic party itself, um, it's a very, it's very, um, because it's a one party state, it's a very close knit. Um, so let's talk about Karen Bass first. If you don't know what's going on with Karen Bass, Karen Bass received a full funded scholarship for a graduate degree at USC. Now she did actually take classes. Uh, she did actually earn the graduate degree. It wasn't like they just gave her a graduate degree because she's a congressman. You know, how sometimes they will give someone like an honorary doctorate. Um, even though it doesn't really mean anything, it's just like an honorary doctorate doesn't make you like a real doctor. You don't call someone a doctor after they get honorary doctorate. She actually went ahead in, in 2012 registered for classes and got, um, started to take classes. Um, long story short of it, the former USC Dean at the time gave her a basically full ride scholarship. She didn't have to pay anything. Uh, why would he do this? What would be the incentive? Well, one, because you may think it's really cool that a congresswoman is taking a congr- like your graduate degree. Um, but it also is because the USC dean had something up his sleeve. And this was sort of the back deal bargain, which he's getting roped into now. And now he's pleading guilty to. Um, so this is from the Los Angeles Times. It says, Flynn harbored longer term plans for Bass in awarding the scholarship, according to federal prosecutors in L.A., Pointing to emails and documents, prosecutors say Flynn hoped to advance legislation that would, quote, provide more funding for the social work school by allowing private universities to receive matching grants for certain types of social work services, end quote. It's unclear what legislation prosecution prosecutors are referring to. The name of the legislation is redacted in court filings. However, the description tracks closely with the Child Welfare Workforce Partnership Act, which Bass sponsored in 2014. Um, now again, she started in 2012. So this legislation was sort of bubbling up and this was something that USC could get, uh, sort of their hands in because of the grants and all that would be, that would be given out. That bill sought to allow private universities like USC to obtain the same federal reimbursement to train social workers that public universities can. So if there's an opportunity for a university to get that sweet, sweet federal payout and that federal pork, they're going to take it. And this USC Dean saw that if he got in good with Karen Bass, who sponsored the bill, um, that he would, that it would kind of help it get across the finish line and they would help benefit from it. Uh, the role of Flynn who led USC's growing online social work program in the development of the bill is not fully clear, but in court filings, prosecutors have contended that the former Dean made her legislative goals known. 
With input from the defendant, Flynn Bass ultimately co-sponsored a bill which made private universities like USC eligible for matching grant funds, just as defendant Flynn wanted, prosecutors said. The Times provided prosecutors court filing to the Bass campaign and asked what input, if any, Flynn provided. Bass did not answer the question. Her campaign spokesperson provided a response from Bass' former legislative director, Jenny Delwood. I don't remember whether we heard from Flynn or not, said Delwood, who is currently Bass's campaign manager. Uh, Delwood suggested that Flynn's input into the Child Welfare Workforce Partnership Act could have been critical since child welfare advocates, including a USC professor, Paul Carlo, have been calling for similar legislation since the mid-1990s. Bass had maintained that if Carlo's encouragement that prompted her to propose the legislation which did not make it out of the House of Representatives. Of her dealings with Flynn, Bass said, my interactions with her were no different than any interactions with any number of other education, business, and nonprofit leaders. Uh, when Bass graduated with her Duke master's degree in 2015, she was hugged by Flynn on stage, blah, blah, blah. Uh, by that time, USC Social Work School was booming, fueled by the online degree program Bass completed. Uh, but the explosive growth put pressure to recruit new students, ease admission standards, and raise revenue, including from government contracts. The Times I reported prosecutors say Flynn courted the then preeminent preeminent power broker in L.A. County, Supervisor Ridley Thomas, along with his son, Sebastian, then a state lawmaker representing communities in South and West L.A. Um, We will offer a full scholarship for our two schools. I did the same for Karen Bass, full scholarship for our funds. So it goes on and on. He really keeps talking about um, basically how this is intertwined, how Karen Bass maybe she didn't really, I mean, if you got some sort of contribution, uh, if you're a candidate, you have to be sort of aware of the fact that when people give you a contribution, uh, it can be money and it can be what called a contribution in kind. And a contribution in kind is where you give something of value to that person and they have to report that. And it so far doesn't look like it's been reported. It was ever reported by Karen Bass. Um, and that this is just coming out now. And now they're starting to look at it and say, wait, wait a second. You gave her a full ride scholarship. And then all of a sudden she also sponsored this bill that would have directly benefited you. Uh, yeah. And that's really where it gets kind of, kind of sticky, but all in all, this is still going on. Um, and I, I doubt to see if, I don't think Karen Bass will be kind of brought into this. I don't think she could probably play dumb and say like, I didn't really know they were doing this. Uh, so where does this go? This will be an interesting story to kind of follow. However, it is, I think, having an implication on the election because she's up for election for the L.A. mayoral race going up against Rick Caruso. And Rick Caruso, who's one of his main tenants of running for L.A. mayor, is to get rid of corruption in L.A. And this is sort of right in his wheelhouse if we're talking about what he's kind of campaigning on. And then I believe they have a debate coming up tonight. And you can imagine that he's going to absolutely try and rip her a new one on this one. Now, of course, Karen Bass is going to have some sort of uh, slimy political answer to way to get out of it. Um, But either way, the the message will get out there and the message will be pushed from now until election. So even if Karen Bass isn't really indicted or anything happens to her or fined or anything like that, it still lingers over the entire election for L.A. mayoral race. Now, right now they're saying that Karen Bass has a ten or a double-digit lead over Rick Caruso. I could see that tightening coming up in the next couple of weeks. We still have a full over a full month before the election, uh, but 
this is going to be sort of one of those issues and it's definitely not come at the wrong time. And the fact that it's being dragged out as much as it is could affect the LA mayoral race. That's for sure. Um, and it's something to keep an eye on. I'm sure Rick Cruz will continue to hammer uh, Karen Bass on that and just making an issue from here on out. Now the next big controversial scandal, which is really interesting. And this also has some breaking news that I have to talk about because I think it's really, really interesting. Um, and again, when you have a one party state, who's really policing who, because if you're all in the same party and you're all on the same team, no one's really going to be policing each other and you can get away with murder in a state where everyone kind of just looks out for each other. Um, and that's one of the issues of California. When you have a one party state is you're going to see a lot of these favors. You're going to see a lot of this stuff. You're going to see a lot of this. I scratch your back. You scratch mine. And, this political corruption is nothing new here in the state of California. Uh, if you haven't heard already, there was this raid of Supervisor Sheila Cool. I think that's how you pronounce her name. Um, and it was big news. What had happened was not Sheriff Alex Villanueva, who's also up for reelection. Uh, his department had served a warrant on her home and kind of like frog walked her out of the house. Um, now they're, the images were out of the sheriffs walking her out of her house, making it look horrible. Um, but the story itself is really interesting. And they're trying to paint this as a negative on Alex Villanueva. Um, because, and I want to read a little bit of the LA mag, which is LA magazine, which is so, so biased against Villanueva. Um, basically if you go to their site, all the top stories are all about how Alex Villanueva is this horrible, horrible person. Uh, and I want to read a little bit of it. And then we're going to get to sort of the turn of events that just happened basically today recently um, and talk about uh, why this is really frustrating. Um, so the story is and I'll give you the quick kind of nitty gritty about what happened. Uh, Sheila Cool, who is a county supervisor for the county of Los Angeles, has this friend, um, Patricia Gibbons, I think is her name. And she runs. Remind me if I'm kind of uh, peace over violence Giggins. Yep. Uh, she runs this nonprofit peace over violence. Now there were contracts that were being handed out. No bid, meaning that the County of Los Angeles handing out a lot of these no bid contracts to this nonprofit to deal with a lot of the marketing or a lot of the informational packets and stuff like that. And there was no bid as to, there was no, bid of to get that contract there was no competition at all and why this is really interesting is because Sheila Cool is a real close personal friend of the person Patricia Giggins who does run this nonprofit now if that does be that's what they're kind of looking into is is there this conflict of interest when it comes to uh, what's going on between these two and did she basically just give her favoritism was is it because it she was her friend? I would like to say, I mean, when there's smoke, there's fire. If it walks like a duck, it quacks like a duck. It looks like a, it probably is a duck. Um, and this looks pretty blatant that if you're really close friends with a person who runs a nonprofit and you're the county supervisor uh, and all of a sudden you're getting no bid contracts from the county to this one nonprofit, it does look a little shady and it probably is what happened. Now, the L.A. Mag uh came out and wrote this whole article 
with the title Raid of County Supervisors Home is Abhorrent on Brand for Sheriff Alex Villanueva. I saw this on Instagram the other day and I thought this is one of those things where they're now trying to change it and not even talk about the fact that there is an alleged crime of conflict of interest here. Someone is misusing your tax dollars. That's not the story, according to Los Angeles Magazine. That is not the story, right? Their story is that Alex Villanueva is this big meanie and that he should be voted out of office and that it looks like he's going to get voted out of office and we should do everything we can to get him out of office. Um, But let's not talk about the fact that there is this huge corruption scandal. Um, Right. Someone said McMahon for assembly said Sheila awarded her friend of no contract to only funds just under which will require a vote by the board. Correct. So there it was done in this shady way so that um, it obviously went as easy as possible and no one would really have to keep eyes on it. And then there was someone who kind of tipped them off. Um, and the way the Los Angeles magazine portrays this is probably one of the most biased and sickening ways to portray this story outside of the fact that they just don't like Alex Villanueva. Um, oops, excuse me. Absolutely. Everything you need to know about Los Angeles County Sheriff Alex Villanueva and his reputation in LA was encapsulated by the wackadoodle events that unfolded Wednesday morning as the sheriff's deputy pounded on the door of County Supervisor Sheila Cool Santa Monica home at 7 a.m. and made the octogenarian octogenarian. I guess she's 80 years old. Is that what that means? Octogenarian walk outside a barefoot so they could search her home. The general reaction was less. What did Sheila do? And more. What the hell did Alex do this time? Um, no, actually my first reaction was what did this lady do that the sheriff showed up to her house and walked her out of her house to, to do his warrant. So what did Villanueva do? Something so stunning, caustic, ostentatious and downright rude and unjustified, vindictive and politically motivated attempt to shower a perceived enemy with bad press using the power the public has entrusted to him. And this sort of behavior is entirely on brand for our carnival ride of a county lawman. I guess you get paid by the word when it comes to L.A. Mag because he had to add about as many adjectives as you possibly could. As almost every observer noted Wednesday morning, the searches occurred less than two months before an election, which Villanueva seems destined to be shellacked. Now, I don't know if he's destined to be shellacked. I mean, that may be what your hope is that he's going to be shellacked, but that doesn't mean he's destined to be shellacked. Again, it says so much about the sheriff and his tenure that the immediate discussion focused less on alleged law breaking by cool. And more on how the sheriff could think that this would persuade voters to rally around him instead of his challenger, Long Beach Police Chief Robert Luna, who in his own right is a wackadoodle, if we're using his words, wackadoodle, a far left police officer. Um, Just look into him. We're not going to get into it today, but just go look into him. Uh, The sheriff's department is to take. Uh, Sheriff's Department take is that Cool was involved in a corrupt scheme that gave Peace Over Violence, a nonprofit run by Giggins, a series of no bid contracts to set up a hotline to field sexual harassment complaints on metro buses and trains. Alarms have been rung before in this possible boondoggle. In 2020, a 10-minute Fox 11 News report cited a whistleblower and asserted that the hotline was little used and was costing taxpayers up to $8,000 a call. Uh, the assertions are eyebrow raising, but not nothing, not anything new, not anything new. So they're just fine with this. Is that what they're really saying is not anything new, not nothing really to see here. Um, not really a big deal. I don't know why we're making this a really big deal. Like, you know, like, why are we talking about this guys? 
Uh, media reports after Wednesday searches point out that when LASD uh, investigators brought the matter to District Attorney George Gascon in 2021, he declined to move forward. Shocker. George Gascon, one of the easiest on crime DAs in the entire country, who is also an avowed Democrat, far left Democrat, would not bring up charges or any sort of investigation against a fellow far left Democrat. Wow, I'm shocked. So that's it. That's the proof in the pudding, right? You think that's that's it? No, LA Mag has more examples of why this is not a big deal and everyone shouldn't really look at this. California Attorney General Rob Bonta has displayed no inclination to prosecute, nor has the U.S. Department of Justice. Wow, okay. So all three of these entities must be right. They must be all completely, absolutely right. Rob Bonta, also another Democratic shill, decided. So that's two, right? That's two right there. George Gascon and Rob Bonta. Uh, Rob Bonta, who maliciously published all the information of all gun owners in the state of California. Oop, just on an oopsie. Uh, remember, there was nothing. That, there was never any follow-up about what happened there. Just on an oopsie after the Supreme Court ruling um, in Bruin that allowed for opening or for carrying conceal and expanded or restored, as my friend as well likes to say, restored our Second Amendment rights. Um, all of a sudden that happened. So, well, because these two declined to prosecute, case closed, right? They don't want to look into it. Nor is the U.S. Department of Justice. As much as you want to trust them, well, I mean, who runs the Department of Justice right now? Which, has everyone knows, loves to take on public corruption in Los Angeles. Okay, maybe sometimes, but just because you have these three entities that have decided not to prosecute, especially the first two, your your argument shouldn't be that these two uh, devoutly dark blue far left Democrats are not going to go after another far left Democrat. Um, if prosecutors up and down the dial don't want a case, there's a reason for that. Let me say that again. This is a, a serious sentence that sh- this person wrote. I don't know if it's a he or she. I don't want to assume gender. It's the LA Mag. You don't want to assume their gender. If prosecutors up and down the dial don't want a case, there's a reason for that. Um, well, I think there's a reason for that, but I don't think it's the reason you're thinking. I don't think your reason is that there probably is no case here and there's nothing that we have to worry about. When in reality, the reason is because you have two far left Democrats who are at the helm of the justice system here in California, and they don't want to invest, uh, investigate and prosecute another far left Democrat. That would be my reason. That's the reason. I don't think that's the reason L.A. Mag thinks it is. Uh, let's keep going. And he talks about uh, Villanueva has recused himself from the investigation that under Sheriff Tim Murakame is running the shebang, to which the only appropriate response is an alonged Okay. Even if one believes that the sheriff has nothing to do with the proceedings, do we really expect his number two to tread lightly on Cool and Giggins, both of whom have called for Villanueva to resign? Rather, going to war on a whim is what Villanueva does naturally. He was elected in 2018 and almost immediately ignited fireworks for trying to hire an aide whom the previous sheriff had hired following of his hands. Yeah. Villanueva regularly thumbs his nose at the supervisors and time and again has displayed a tendency to steer the squad car out of his lane into the jurisdiction of others. He harumphed about plans to clear the tent encampments on the Venice boardwalk, even though that's the bollywalk of the Los Angeles P- the police department. 
He tangled with the county coroner's office, uh, an autonomous entity over its plan to release autopsy report, that including the address of Guardero, who was shot in the back and killed by a sheriff's deputy. Uh, Villanueva, who won office after convincing voters he was a progressive reformer, has instead been compared to former President Donald Trump. And there it is. There it is, folks. If you need to smear your political enemy, especially in California... Just bring up President Donald Trump. That's all you have to do. Just bring him up and you've affect. That's your whole argument. He's just like Donald Trump. Oh, well, if he's Donald Trump, then I don't want any part of him. Um, because as soon as I'm sure the leftists who read the L.A. mag see the words Donald Trump, their hair stares, stands up on the back of their neck, their skin crawls and they start to break out in a cold sweat. Um, as he's drawn four years of bad press, that's all built up to the June primary where he pulled just 30.7% of the vote and an abysmal result for an incumbent Luna, despite having a little money and a low name ID garnered 25.9%. Okay. All five supervisors have now endorsed Luna in the November 8th runoff shocker. Okay. Essentially it looks like Villanueva is toast. Why? Because the, the supervisors all, supported this far left police chief. Um, okay. And the LA County democratic party is okay. It is against this background three weeks before the mail in ballots arrived at homes that investigators from Villanueva's office decided this was an appropriate and a him non-politically motivated moment to dig through the belongings of an enemy. It's abhorrent jaw dropping and unbelievable or in a phrase, very Villanueva. I don't know who says it's very Villanueva, Stop trying to make that a thing. That's not something people say. Um, But this is one of those. And I love to read these stories because I love to read them from this angle because you can really get an idea of. And I I urge a lot of people because I know it's it it forces you to kind of look at this article and, and hone your skills and sharpen your tools when it comes to argument, because it's easy to read a lot of stuff that agrees with you and you go, oh, this was easy. It agrees with me and stuff like that. It's harder to read these articles. It requires the brain power to look at this and go and pick it apart and go, this is absolute garbage because of X, Y, and Z. And here's my argument. That's the better way to do it. So I always urge people read stuff like this, like the LA mag. That's why I follow it. That's why I follow like the San Francisco Chronicle, stuff like that, because you want to read what others are writing. And if you can argue with the article and make your points, it's a lot better, but This is obviously a very, very biased article when it comes to Alex Villanueva. Now, um, obviously, they think Alex Villanueva is toast. They obviously don't like him, so they call him akin to President Donald Trump. They make him seem like he's off his rocker and that he's basically doing whatever the heck he wants. But if you look on the other side, there's a lot of people who I think believe in the stuff that he did. For Don't forget that Alex Villanueva was also one of the strongest anti-lockdown, anti-vaccine mandate proponents when it came to being a sheriff in California. And he was probably one of the most well-publicized. Um, he wasn't going to force lockdowns. He wasn't going to send his sheriff's department out, which in L.A. County, one of the strictest counties when it came to lockdowns, the fact that he said, well, I'm not going along with this and I'm not going to do this already made him public enemy number one. He stood up for his belief, which was that it's not really um, it's not really my job to do so. Somebody says Dave Smith said it best. I'm part of the problem. They don't care that they're hypocrites. They want you to think they're better than you. 
Yeah, absolutely. Dave Smith is always great. So always a great story. Um, I, I, I'd love to talk about sort of this coordinated attack from this is again off topic, but there's been this coordinated attack on libertarianism from a lot of influencers recently. And I wonder why all of a sudden people like Ben Shapiro and Steven Crowder are going full bore. Alex Jones, they're all going like full throated anti-libertarians. But anyway, um, back to this story. So he was already sort of public enemy number one when he disavowed or didn't listen to Barbara Ferreira, which he's the county supervisor. You know, he under I mean, he's the county sheriff. He's not L.A. City. So he has to listen to the entire county, not just what L.A. City is talking about. And because he went against that narrative and because he pushed back against it, he was already persona non grata in L.A. County. And they were going to do everything they could to get him out. And this is just to them another example of why they want to get rid of him because he doesn't play ball in L.A. County. He's not part of what they want him to be. They want this Luna guy to get in as sheriff because then they have someone on their side and then they have someone who is going to listen to what they want him to do. He's going to follow the narrative. He's going to be a good little sheriff. When in reality, sheriffs are supposed to be their own independent law enforcement agency, and they're allowed to have this jurisdiction and this ability to do these things. Um, I heard once, and I don't know if this is true, somebody said sheriffs are the only law enforcement that actually have to swear oath to the Constitution and not just to the city or whatever. I don't know if that's true or not. If there's any city police officers who want to verify that it might be different for each one. But I know that like um, I know, for example, that like all sheriffs have to do are like supposed to uphold the Constitution. So he's already been sort of on the outs with the Democrats in L.A. County. Now you add this in and they're going apocalyptic over the fact that how dare you come at one of our own one of our own elected county board supervisors who've been there for god knows how long he's 80 years old um probably been in politics a little too long if you're still there at 80 years old and i venture to say that probably most supervisors are make pulling a pretty cushy salary of over two hundred thousand dollars they pull that here in san diego um we took an oath to the constitution for lapd okay so i was wrong i I heard that somewhere. Um, yeah, but I don't know how different police departments do it. Uh, but anyway, uh, what was I saying? So the fact that he did this to one of their own really kind of set them off. And the fact that they say, oh, one of the negatives was that he went in and cleaned up the tent encampments in Venice Beach is somehow a bad thing even though a lot of people were applauding the fact that as sheriff, he still has jurisdiction. The city of LA falls within his jurisdiction. Um, now, if he worked with LAPD and said, Hey, do you want to help us clear these tent encampments? And LAPD said, no, we want, don't want to do that. Okay. Well, we're still going to enforce the laws here and we're going to clean up all these tent encampments. He still got sort of cheered for that. And I guess they don't like that fact. They don't. They want the tent encampments on Venice Beach. They want that kind of look for L.A. So it is really interesting that this isn't well, this L.A. mag article is so biased. And obviously it's it's going to a certain crowd. Again, you're only certain kind of people are going to be reading L.A. magazine or sycophants like myself who read it so that I can tell you guys about it. Um 
But it does just affirm their kind of worldview that he's a Donald Trump kind of, even though he's a Democrat, he's a, he wasn't out and out Democrat, um, that he's this Donald Trumpian sort of sheriff who's just kind of going off on his own. And now he's taking out political enemies. Um, but the twist is this. This was the big twist that I was um, alluding to that will should really make you uh, this should make your blood boil as a Californian. And this should really make you think we need to start cleaning up this entire state from top to bottom. The entire apparatus is so rotten from the core that we are in, in, in desperate trouble here in California. And want to talk about this is the reason why I put the elites hate you shirt as the pinned uh, shirt this week. And if again, if you support me and you want to grab a shirt, Great. We got some more shirts coming out as well. Um, but this should really, really make your blood boil when it comes to what's going on in California. So remember how in the L.A. Mag article they talked about, well, uh, the district attorney of Los Angeles didn't take it on. So that must mean that there was no crime there. And then the attorney general, Rob Bonta, he also didn't take it on because there must be no crime there. That's what they're going with. That's sort of, um, that's sort of what they're going with. That's their argument right now. All of a sudden the sheriff acts on his own power, the power that he has, he got a warrant from a judge. He did everything he was supposed to do. A crime was reported. They looked into it and they got a search warrant because they believed that there was evidence of a crime that had occurred. So Alex Villanueva does this now, as of two hours ago in this article, two hours ago, California Attorney General Rob Bonta takes over Sheriff's probe of Supervisor Cole and the Metro. The state attorney general's office has seized control of Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department investigation into allegations of political corruption against the Metropolitan Transportation Authority and County Supervisor Sheila Cole over contracts awarded to a nonprofit organization run by one of Cole's closest friends. The move by attorney Rob Bonta was confirmed in a letter sent Tuesday to the sheriff's department. Bonta's letter ordered the sheriff's department to quote, cease its investigative activity and refrain from any actions in furtherance of these investigations, including public statements or court filings related to the investigations End quote. Sheriff Alex Villanueva had reached out to attorney general's office last week, asking it to investigate allegations that County inspector general, uh, Max Huntsman and the county council's office had tipped off Cole to a planned search of her home by sheriff's deputies. Um, quote, given that Sheriff Villanueva has recused himself from the underlying investigation of peace over violence and Patricia Giggins and by seeking our assistance, he recognizes that he should be recused from any related matters. I believe that the handling of these matters by the DOJ will be in the public interest. Bonta wrote, therefore, we will assume all responsibility for the underlying investigation of peace over violence, Patricia Giggins at all right there. Why all of a sudden is Rob Bonta who had been asked before, look into this, look into the, what is going on here. That's the point of the attorney general. You're supposed to look into this stuff. Now, all of a sudden, Less than a week later, who comes to the rescue 
of Sheila Cool and Peace Over Violence, Attorney General Rob Bonta, because Rob Bonta is going to take it easy on all of this. He's going to now take over the investigation. Nothing to see here, folks. Don't worry about it. Um, and that's it. I doubt you'll hear anything more of this. It will get swept swept under the rug, and that's it. Sheila Cool will now get to wipe her hands of this and say they couldn't find anything wrong. The Department of Justice investigated, and they found I did nothing wrong. And again, this comes back to the problem with a one-party state. When you have a one-party state, and it's not just this. I mean, you can look throughout history. When a one party or one group of people run an entire state or country, you can get away with a lot of political corruption because no one is calling you out on it. And no one has the power to actually do anything about it. So when you have this one party state like you do in California, you finally have someone like Alex Villanueva, who wants to stand up and say, look, there's been a crime committed here and I'm going to investigate it under my power as the sheriff of Los Angeles County, because I believe there's a crime. I got a warrant and here we go. I'm going to investigate this person. And then like a white knight out of nowhere, Rob Bonta comes riding in and just takes over the entire investigation. No, he goes, no, no, no. Don't worry about it, Sheriff. I got it from here. We'll take it from here. Um, it's kind of like when you see those shows with like the police and then the FBI shows up and the FBI go, well, it's our crime now. It's our crime scene now. And then the local police are always upset because they had a real vested interest in figuring out what happened with this crime. And they know that if it goes to the FBI, the FBI doesn't really care as much. Um, and that's exactly what's going to happen. So my prediction right now today on September 21st is that you won't hear anything anymore out about this investigation that Sheila cool is going to get off super easy. Nothing's going to happen. Maybe a little slap on the wrist and that's it. Patricia Giggins, nothing will happen to her as well. They, she will continue to hold her board seat. Um, and that that's where we're at. And L.A. County might be one of the most corrupt counties in all of America when it comes to this stuff. As you can see, between Karen Bass and Sheila Cool, you have one of the most corrupt counties in all of the United States right here in California. Um, so with that said, I guess it's time to open it up to questions and comments like we always do here on Coffee and California Politics, which is the point, is that uh, we sit and we chat and we talk about California politics. But I did want to open that up. Oh, the the final story, which is not really a story, um, came from this site that I'm not really sure. Uh, it's called The Wrap, the essential source for entertainer insiders or entertainment insiders. Um, somebody who is close, a leading fundraiser with close ties to the Newsom family told, uh, the rap after the midterm election is over, he is absolutely going to announce that he's running for the presidency. Once Biden announced that he is not running no ifs, ands, or buts, he will run if Biden does not talking about noodles. Um, so here we are. Noodles is going to run for president. Sheila cool will not be prosecuted for anything. Karen Bass will likely probably not be investigated for anything. Um, but that's why I think any sort of party that 
does really make reform and exposing corruption a center pillar of their platform could have a good chance in California. I think you have to, if you're going to be an opposition party here in California, reform and getting rid of corruptions has to be um, a number one plank of your party platform. You cannot just go in and point it out. You have to say, you have to lay out a plan of how you're going to stop corruption in the state of California. Um, It's like Teddy Roosevelt did over a hundred years ago. It has to be done again where people go in and say, look, I'm going to be a reformer and I'm going to try and get corruption out as much as possible. Problem is a lot of people believe that the people who are doing the corruption are the good people and they're on the, um, they're on the good side. But I think there's a good amount of people in the middle who are not fans of this sort of corruption if they're educated about it. Remember 25% independent, 25% Republican and 49%, um, Democrat. So the majority of people, I didn't add up the numbers correctly, but it's only 49% Democrat and the rest of them are independent and Republican and whatever. Um, can candidates really call out corruption when they themselves are likely compromised? Well, I mean, that's the thing about candidates. Why, what's, what would make a candidate compromised when they're running for office? I mean, we're talking about local races. We're talking about state assembly or something like that. What would make someone so compromised that they wouldn't be able to call out corruption? You would like to think that people who are running for office are not, uh, really compromise that they're just local citizens who are doing what they want to do and looking to serve as public servants. Um, but I don't know what, what, what type of compromise. I mean, if you're talking about some politicians who've been in power, who've been around for a while. Yeah. I mean, then there's, there's people who who are compromised because they just want to get to the next brass ring. And when you do that, guess what happens? Uh, well, you have, you have a lot of favors to owe people. So I'm going to take a sip of my coffee right now, which is probably cold by now. Yeah, just as expected. Lukewarm coffee. So um, we're going to talk a lot about We got a lot of stuff coming up, as I said, in the next coming weeks. There's going to be as many candidates as we possibly can get on. we got a lot of propositions to cover. Um, we have talked about we're going to live stream the debate. The debate, um, the debate that's going to only be on radio. Um, so I, which I, I I'm kind of confused why they would agree to a radio debate. Um so I, I have no idea. Um, but that's something that that's like the Newsome special. That's the noodle special is that they, um, he, he did this with John Cox. He agreed to a, a radio debate, um, which in my mind is the worst thing you can do. You can say, well, I agreed to one debate and I, you know, I, you know, I tweeted about this and posted it last week is that politicians should be required to debate. I think there should be a law that requires politicians to debate at least twice before you send out early ballots. So if early ballots go out October 10th, great. There has to be two scheduled debates on a major media platform in visual form um, so that people can tune in. 
What if you're hearing impaired and you can't listen to the radio, right? You should be able to watch it on TV with closed captioning and all that stuff or sign language. Um, And there is a marketed difference when you see people on stage. If you know the old story of what happened with JFK and Richard Nixon was it was with the first televised presidential debate where JFK looked all suave, looked all handsome, looked great. Richard Nixon, on the other hand, was sweating. He looked awful. He looked he didn't look as good as as JFK, Um, even though people say who they listened to the debate, they thought Nixon won. People who watched the debate said JFK won simply because JFK looked better. Um, There is something to be said about looking at people and seeing how they interact on the stage. Uh, So I think that's one thing I think if I were to say, like, if I were in the legislature, I would say there has to be a law requiring every single politician to debate. And I think if you don't debate, I think the punishment should be if you don't agree to any debates, then you should be removed from the ballot. I think that's one thing you should just be removed from the ballot because obviously you're not interested in actually being a public servant. You're just interested in trying to get to power as fast as possible. And you see a lot of the Democrats now who are in safe districts don't even want to debate because they see no real reason in debating. But I think there should be even if you think that there, a race is a far foregone conclusion, right? If you look at the and say, oh, well, they're going to lose by 20 points. You should still be able to have candidates who get out there and bring up issues and be able to talk more about um, what they believe. And I think you might get people who watch a debate and say they may find themselves agreeing with the other side or they hear these other policy positions and go, I think, yeah, I agree. I think that this is correct. And I, you know, all of a sudden you start to look into this stuff a little bit more and just the exposure to those ideas and those policies is so important and tantamount to the voter block. But I don't think they want that. I don't think people in California want that, especially Democrats. They don't want to debate Republicans. They don't want to debate libertarians because they, they're afraid they'll get called out for one. And two, they're afraid that the people will actually get exposed to other points of view. And God forbid you can't be exposed to other points of view in the state of California. It's one way or the highway. Um, so I think that's, that's something I like, if I were to make it a platform plank, I would say like debates have to be, mandatory in California. They absolutely have to be mandatory. People may say like it won't make really much of a difference. I think it would actually make a difference. I think it would make a difference if you could see your state assemblyman talking to someone or your state senator talking to someone on a debate and they actually have to show up in debate and county supervisors actually have to show up in debate because how else are we going to be able to see their their points of view side by side and, and kind of challenged by one another if we don't let people debate. So it's very sad that in California they refuse to debate and they always play these games. Um, You know, you see it in like Pennsylvania as well with John Fetterman is like, he added all these stipulations of how he's going to debate Dr. Oz. And it's like super late. And like the early ballot voting has already been out for like three weeks. So they're going to do one debate like a week before the election. Um, So, yeah, I think it's it's something that has to be done. Look, if you're going to if you want to be a politician, you want to represent the people, you should be able to put your ideas out in front of the people. And I think this this the noodle special of we'll do it on a radio 
Like what? What is this? Nineteen forties? Like what are we FDR here? Like we got to sit by the radio and listen to him debate Brian Dolly. Um, but anyway, we're going to be live streaming it. We're gonna find the stream and we're gonna live stream it, um, and we're gonna comment on it the whole time. So uh, see who else wants to join us. Maybe we got some other people. Cynthia will obviously be there as well. Um, what do you think of Newsom challenging DeSantis to debate? I think it's it's amazing. I think we should have more of that. I'm a fan of debating. I I love debating. I think there should be more debates. I think people should put their ideas out there um, because you never know who you're going to change their mind. And I think that's that's one thing you have to think about. I think governors should debate. Why not? Not in a presidential capacity. Why don't governors just debate each other instead of throwing barbs and, and spears and arrows over social media? Why not? You know, have Greg Abbott debate the governor of New York, Catherine Huchel, or whatever her name is. Have uh, DeSantis debate Newsom. Have Christy Nome debate uh, the governor, Jay, what, what, what's his name? Pritchard from Illinois. Um, so I think it'd be a great idea. I think there should be more governor's debates. There should be a whole series of governor's debates. You know, if we're going to really talk about what state is doing better and what state's not doing better... Okay, put your money where your mouth is. Go and debate it. Go stand up for your um go go stand up for your beliefs. Very pretentious of noodles, but hopefully it's a neutral environment, not in a venue. Newsom has a ton of backing. Yeah, I mean he would probably ask for like it has to be done at like USC or something like that. So um not that Ron DeSantis is I don't think he's scared of it, I think so. Um Absolutely. I think anyone running for election at any level should happen. Yeah. I, I, I haven't met anyone who thinks that that required debates are a bad thing. I think a lot of people should be required to debate. So um, I'd pay to see that. I know a lot of people said they would pay to see Newsom and DeSantis debate, but uh, I think it should just be free. I think they just have it on a major um, debating is a little bit of a lost art. Uh, and that's why I think it needs to come back. And it's because politicians now don't really know how to debate and they don't really know what they're talking about. Um, you know, a lot of debates now are just people stepping on each other's toes. Um, there's different forms of debates as well. There's the Lincoln Douglas debate. Um, what's the one that they, what's the one that we usually do at federal society? Um, it's one where you you do like 20 minutes of opening and then the other side does 20 minutes and then you get 10 minute rebuttal and then you get a 10 minute rebuttal and then there's all these different rebuttals, but it's like laid out rebuttals. It's like you don't get to like step on someone's toes. That's what we do with federal society. When we have a lot of debates, we bring in a lot of people. Um, so DeSantis and Newsom debate with Joe Rogan moderating. Everybody wants Joe Rogan to moderate. I don't know if Joe Rogan would be a best moderator. I don't even know who you'd get as a neutral moderator at this point. Uh, Oxford style. Yes, thank you. Oxford style is where you do one, the other, and then you each get your own rebuttals. I think that's what it is. I don't even know what the Lincoln-Douglas debate is. I think the Lincoln-Douglas debate is like somebody gets like an hour to make their point and then the other side gets... Some other, I, you know, I forget, but anyway, the point is, is that there's plenty of styles of debate right now. The style of debate that they like to go with, with politicians allows them the most opportunity to throw as many personal insults and barbs and stuff like that. And, uh, it's not always the most 
informative. But either way, I think politicians should be required to debate. And I think they there should be more of it. You know, if, if you believe, if you're a Democrat and you believe 110% in your principles, then I think you should be able to stand on a stage and you should be able to look someone in the eye. You should be able to look those ev- evil Republicans in the eye and say, my ideas are better than your ideas and here's why and be able to prove it. What are you scared of? That's all I say, right? If that's, if you believe so much in your point of view, you should be able to stand up there and dish it and take it and say, my ideas are way better than your ideas. Therefore, here's my point. And I'm confident I'm not going to lose. But they don't like that. Like, could you imagine like uh, little Alex Lee um, trying to debate someone in like an open forum? Like I couldn't imagine Alex Lee or like a Scott Wiener trying to debate someone in an open forum. Um, but again, Scott Wiener's in a safe district. That's why he doesn't have to debate anybody. He figures, what's the point of debating? I'm going to win by like 80%. So who cares? But I think you should still be able to debate someone. I think someone should be able, if someone runs against you, you should have to debate them. Anyway. All right. So thank you to everybody who grabbed a shirt today. Um, yeah. Still working on some more shirt designs and stuff like that. Fixing them, making them all nice and clean and everything like that. And um Like I said, pulling a double header today. Tonight, we're going to have Adam from Open the Books. He'll be on at 8 o'clock. Tune in on YouTube. If uh, you can't listen or tune in on YouTube, you can always tune in on Spotify or Apple or Google or any place like that um, where you listen to podcasts. We'll be posting that there as well. Getting some other people on, some other big names. Like I said, we're trying to get Brian Dolly to come on for an episode and chat with him. We got a lot of propositions, a lot of election stuff coming down the pike, and a lot of stuff is happening. We got less than almost a little over a month until election day. Big midterm election coming up. Um, Also thinking about whether there should be a midterm live stream and stuff like that. But with all that said, uh, we'll be back next week, as always, with Coffee in California Politics every Wednesday at 9 a.m. And uh, I'll see all of you, I guess, later tonight. All right. Have a good one. Bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of California Underground. If you like what you heard, remember to subscribe, like, and review it. And follow California Underground on social media for updates as to when new episodes are available. 